0: ready? <laughs> How's the hair? Are we good? You look great. You look like you're on an Oprah setting. You know, what's impressive is I just
1: got done getting a massage myself. So what you don't see is how oily I am.
0: <laughs> but you're glowing from here. That's oh, good. So see?
1: The oil made have- me glow. Perfect.
0: Nice neutrals. I feel like this, we're, we'll get there with the setup. <laughs> <laughs> Your setup will get there. Give it time. Yes, it will. Okay. Are we ready? Ready. <sighs> okay three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Marketing for the Uninhibited podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Katie Hawkins, one of my clients, and we've been working together for over a year now. She is a certified equine equine massage therapist at Unbridled Equine. And she's going to do a brief introduction, and then we're just going to chat a little bit about her journey and her business, how long she's been in business, and what it's been like to have marketing coaching for the past year and how that's changed things. Welcome to the podcast, Katie.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm so excited. You've never been on the podcast before.
1: I have not, just a listener.
0: Yes, great. So let's kick it off with um, just you giving a little introduction about yourself. And how you got started in your business.
1: Perfect. So yeah, like Miranda said, I'm Katie Hawkins and I own a company called Unbridled Equine. And Unbridled Equine is um, equine massage therapy for performance horses. Um, Performance horses means horses that are um, competing anywhere from a local to an international level. And these horses are athletes. So what I'm doing is I'm part of their healthcare team to keep them feeling their best, performing their best, um, and also to keep the rider-horse combination um, as successful as possible. And so I often uh, work within the Chicagoland area and then also go throughout the United States as well.
0: And did you say how long you've been doing this?
1: So my business now is four years old.
0: Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. Did I pause? Yeah, but it's okay. Thank you. Okay. And then, so it's four years old. And how did you get started in this?
1: Somewhat organically. Um, I've been around horses my entire life. Um, So I've ridden for close to 30 years. And as a kid, I always loved, I love riding, but I really love caring for horses. Um, But I, you know, went into the workforce and um, I was a zookeeper for many years um, at Brookfield and Lincoln Park Zoo. What? And then,
0: <laughs> I did not know that.
1: <laughs> I cared for animals um, for a long time, and then um, after having kids, I actually um, had a lot of health issues um, during my pregnancies. And then after having kids, my I herniated three discs in my back. Oh my um, gosh. Um, Picking up one of those giant car seats that you have to lug around with a baby. Um, So my back went out and I was due to have surgery. And I decided to pause that and try everything I could to kind of holistically heal my back. Um, And that was looking at nutrition, soft tissue, chiropractic, everything. Um, And so I dove into that. And as it started to heal me, uh, I wondered why there wasn't the same setup for the horses that I loved so much in my life. Um, And so I started really looking into it and realized that there was a gap in the industry, especially in the Chicagoland area, as the sport evolves into a more like less invasive. um, So less injections, less uh, medications, because they're oftentimes not allowed on these high horse show circuits Mm -hmm. um, that including uh, body work and um, doing it in conjunction with other modalities within the horse world like chiropractic and acupuncture and um, their normal vet practice that they have going on. Um, by doing that, I'm having this kind of well-rounded healthcare routine. Um, what equestrians are seeing is that their horses are performing better. Um, and so I really started it from my own health issues and then it just took off from there.
0: And how was the... so? We're, going a little off topic, but this is so interesting because it's so, it stemmed from like your experience personally into this other world. And so what was the reception like to a service like this in the equine industry?
1: Uh, It took education. Uh, At first, um, uh, people kind of were thinking that the massage therapy that I was going to be doing was um, what I would call like fluffy. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like, oh, you know, like balancing their energy and making them feel good. And even though that is part of it, um, I'm really coming from doing sports massage. So I'm looking at them as an athlete and trying to figure out since horses can't tell us what's hurting or what's going on. Um, I try to be a little bit of their voice of what they're feeling from a soft tissue perspective. And I'm not just making them feel just, Oh, you feel good. I'm trying to find answers to maybe what the rider is feeling or training issues that they're having. Um, and then allowing the horse to help heal themselves. Um, and so when I started off, it really was, I kind of started off this way. Um, because it's, it was hard for me to market myself because not only was I just breaking into owning my own company, but also, uh, people were not completely used to this modality within the horse world. Mm -hmm. And so what I told them was, um, I'm not going to give you a sales pitch. Just give me your toughest horse. That's having an issue and I'm going to work on it and then call you in two days. And every single time I got clients from that.
0: Because you over delivered and you provided value without charging. And then they were able to build the trust right away.
1: Yep. And I think too, it allowed me just to get my foot in the door. In my industry, a lot of what happens is the trainer that um, owns the farm or trains all the clients, they kind of dictate what goes on oftentimes. Um, Mm -hmm. So I work directly with the trainers and If I get them on board, they generally can then disseminate to their clients why this is important to their horses. And then their clients see the difference, too. Um, So, yes, at the beginning, it was a lot of comping, especially because I'm service based. I was willing to do that um, because it was my time and my energy that I was comping. And then from there, uh, it just grew by word of mouth really, really quickly.
0: So at what point did you have, were you able to stop comping so many services and start paying? Because I think this is a common theme, especially with entrepreneurs, solopreneurs in the beginning of their journey where they don't want to give too much for free, but you're at a point where you kind of have to say yes to everything so that you can get the exposure and generate the word of mouth and show what you have to offer. Um, So when did that shift for you?
1: I feel like it was the first six to eight months that I really um, was comping. And I saw it as an opportunity for myself also to not only gain practice, but also to get my processes down. So I started to realize that people liked, they wanted to hear how their horse was because oftentimes they weren't there. Um, mm-hmm. So I started figuring out how I would email them reports and what my invoicing would look like and all this stuff that sounds not unimportant, but like mm-hmm. uh, side stuff really actually then as I learned by doing all these comped massages and starting to get my process you know, streamlined Mm -hmm. that when I was charging, I felt like I was bringing a really nice product, a full product to, to my clients. And I also felt ready to a a little more confident in selling myself, um, by having that, those extra hours and massages that I comped under my belt.
0: Right. So that time, That six to eight months gave you time to really experiment and to figure out what people were gravitating towards, what was most valuable for them as far as your customer, your target audience was concerned. Um, So then, at what point, because you were doing really well when we started working together. I mean, by then you'd been in business three years, you were like fully booked. And so we just took it to another level. But at what point did you decide that you needed more help? Because you've been doing this on your own. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So I've been in business by myself. I think Mm -hmm. the help I started to realize that I needed was the help for stuff that is not in my wheelhouse. So that meant really getting help for like bookkeeping, accounting, um, website development, um, all my photography for social media. I have a photographer that does that. Um, my video production. If I try to produce a video takes me hours, hours. And I get really frustrated and then I just don't really even enjoy the process. And so what I realized was as I started to get bigger and have the cushion to be able to deliver the quality of product I want, because I always go from the standpoint that I am delivering um, something that isn't essential and is high end. And so, I always want what I deliver to look that way as well. So, if that's right. anything from my business cards to videos, I want them to look really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, because I also think it's important to bring a level of professionalism to my industry that's lacking.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: And so, by high, by farming those things out in a way to other people that that's their skill set, it freed me up to actually do more of my job, which is where I make my money.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and so that was really where I started to realize and let go a bit because there was a part of me that wanted to control all that. (laughs) um, I really liked being in business for myself and having a little bit of that control over things, but letting go and then realizing when I let go of those pieces, I had the bandwidth to do more. Um, so that meant be more creative or dream a little bit more or try for a certification or a class that I wouldn't have had time for Mm -hmm. if I was doing my own books. And so those were huge steps in me being, just having the space to grow.
0: Yeah. And that, I mean, and I think a lot of people, like they, especially in the beginning, you see the dollar amount and you're like, Oh, I don't know. I could just do it myself what you don't realize is like how much time you're taking away from your craft and from bringing in money. So that's could be hours for you is more horses to massage. I mean, especially at the time, that's how it was working out. So, um, and then it, so that was when you found the workshop, right. At, yes. Wabonsi, at yes. the small business development center. Yes. So
1: I was feeling led and pushed to do more But I knew I didn't want to grow in the way that I think I see most businesses grow, which was just bringing on um, employees. I just felt like that wasn't the direction I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And at that point, my marketing was mostly word of mouth. And I would call my marketing cutesy. It was just like, it was cutesy. And I didn't really see it as much more than that just posting a cute picture of a horse or something, you know, something I found interesting. And eventually I realized that if I wanted to grow and I didn't want to do it just through hiring more people and massaging more horses Mm -hmm. um, that I needed to get really creative on the resources I had. And I felt so, so lost. (laughs) Like like I I I didn't even know where to begin.
0: I remember that. Go ahead.
1: Well, it was funny because I went to your class and like a lot of the things were pieces I had in mind. Like I knew my mission. I knew, but they were all over the place. So there was no cohesion to like what all that meant. And so I felt like I needed somebody that was going to put it together and lead me forward in, in what I needed to do with all those pieces.
0: A hundred percent. And that, and in that class, I remember you saying like equating growth with hiring employees. And I had just read that book, Small Giants, which talks about like growing your small business in different types of ways. And so that was one of the key takeaways for me. I was like, oh, people, you know, people don't realize that there are different ways you can grow your business without hiring employees. You have like the most beautiful sun,
1: sun, a sun, uh, beam, right? Yeah. Through. Well, thank you, Sky. <laughs> it just came
0: shining down on you.
1: It did. It's well, we actually have sun today, so I'll take it. I know
0: it's so nice out. I was surprised. Ooh, I went beautiful. outside. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's beautiful.
1: Okay, there we go. I closed it up a little bit, so yeah, I'll make the great. sunbeams go away. <laughs>
0: I'm <going. laughs> You are all around. Um, so that was good. So then, okay. So after the workshop, what changed for you in the workshop? Because that was when these workshops were in person. Obviously this year they've all been on Zoom, which makes it a little bit harder to engage. But I think that was a good group of people willing to come together and like work and brainstorm. And so what kind of shifts did you have when you left there?
1: It was eye opening. Like I would say all of a sudden my eyes were open to like, wow, I think this, this is the direction I've been looking for. Like I didn't know I needed it. I knew I needed help with marketing. I knew that I wanted to grow my business. And I knew that I was clear on a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but I lacked somebody that got it. And because everyone kept saying to me, like, when are you going to hire someone? When are you going to hire someone? (laughs) I'm not. Um, But at the same time, I didn't want to stagnate. And so That was where all of a sudden, I had the work in front of me, like we worked through these pillars and we did all this stuff, and my brain was just like, "This is it. This is what I need. I needed. It's like when a company grows faster than the foundational pieces being set right. up. And so all of a sudden I had this really successful company that I wanted to continue with and continue growing, but I had to do this work to be really um mindful and purposeful in what I was doing next. And that was the moment where it was like, oh, this is what I need.
0: Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's great. That I'm glad you had that response to it because that I think we all come to a point where you grow and you experiment in so many different ways and like, you know, you were making money at that point, you were hiring help in other ways and so there's not really a need to sit down and figure those things out. You almost don't have enough information yet to figure those things out. But then where you were, I mean, you were, so at that point, like three years into your business, right? About?
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I definitely was. And I mean, things were rolling and doing that kind of work. I mean, I'm someone that works outside and works with my hands and I like being physical. So the moment someone's like, sit down, Right, like I almost have to be coached to do that because it's yeah. not—it's not my natural go-to. Or I think a lot of entrepreneurs, like we're really creative, right. uh, But we can get so creative and out in kind of our heads in the clouds that it took somebody kind of sitting down, sitting me down, and making me think through this stuff that I realized, like, this is what I'm missing. I will be my own roadblock if I don't do this.
0: Right. And so many, I mean, we all have our own insecurities and fears and roadblocks that come up. And so just having someone else guide you through them or like even point them out sometimes, I think is helpful because it's someone that's not your significant other or like your mom or, you know, it's, it's someone that in our case, you know, you're paying someone to help you with your business. And so it's almost like you listen to them better. Like when I meet with Tammy, my life coach, you know, and talking with her, It's not necessarily things I don't know about myself, but it's just like getting that guidance to help address those issues or work through them together, um, like in a sit down meeting and having that time.
1: That, and I was going to say, it's like set time, but I also like that you don't know my industry. Right. You brought this totally different, I'm, you know, I'm completely in it, in this Mm -hmm. niche of an industry. And then you kind of brought this outside view of what can be done and what can be done differently and that was really refreshing too.
0: Which is cool for me because I apply the same principles to everyone, but everyone I work with is in a different industry. So then I really lean on you guys to tell me, like to be the industry experts and to let me know what's going on in the industry. But I think it also helps because I'm not letting you get away with excuses within the industry. Well, no one's done it like this before, or I'm afraid to do something different. You know, all these excuses that we tell ourselves when we're comparing ourselves to other industry professionals, but forgetting that most of our audience, like your audience is not the same. Well, sometimes they are, but as the industry professionals, you're comparing yourself to. Those are two different people. And so when we can stop putting out posts and like speaking to the other industry professionals and get back to focusing on our target audience. I think that's when the messaging shifts. Totally. And the mindset shifts too. You're, you're speaking to the, these people or this person. I don't remember what your target audience name was. Usually we name them, but I don't remember. Oh, name
1: her. I can, I can visualize her. I think <laughs> It was, it's like, it was like a 30 to 50 year old woman. I mean, I have it like down. I mean, I knew who my lady was. <laughs>
0: right. And the, it takes time to get there. But then once Heather, one's- Heather, <laughs> that's perfect. It's <laughs> so I had one last week. It, her name was Veronica. Ooh. These names are good.
1: Yeah. I could have a much sassier name. No, just, just Heather for me.
0: But Heather works for yeah. your Yeah. So it's just about being able to visualize that person every time you're doing something in your business. Like, is this going to be beneficial for them? Is this going to resonate with them? Um, so at that time, like speaking of your target audience, where was your mindset around marketing your business? Like you knew you needed help. You were doing some, but you, I feel like it just wasn't aligned. Like you knew what you were putting out wasn't matching your brand.
1: Yeah, so I, like I said, I felt like I was in this feeling cutesy on social media. I had done uh, some advertisement in um, equestrian uh, publications, Mm -hmm. and anything from those. Um, And I just felt like I wasn't, I didn't know how to be strategic. And so that took me where I think I knew I wanted to go to this direction, but I was feeling... Probably insecure in it. And you pushed me to be like, why you're an industry expert, right? You know, so much about this. Like people want to know what, you know, and in my mind, I was so caught up in it that I didn't realize what I was doing or the information I have from experience is unique. Right. And so that was the shift of stop trying to be, I think I was thinking like almost like an influencer. Like, Oh, I should have just like a pretty photo and like say something cute. And that's, that wasn't, that's not me. And nor do I think that's, what's going to reach my actual target client. Heather. Cause my target client um, is, is savvy and they're not hiring me. Cause I have a really pretty shirt. They're hiring me cause what I do works
0: mm-hmm. and
1: how I do it is the best way possible. I'm just going to rock your socks off. So like, why am I not rocking their socks off in my advertising? And I just didn't know how to.
0: Right. So what did you discover that was holding you back? Did you have any aha moments where you were like, Oh, this is what I haven't been doing, or this is what I've been waiting to do.
1: Yeah. uh, Pushing me out of my comfort zone of believing my expertise was huge. Um, Pushing me to get my face <laughs> out there. Ugh, that's all it was like. Ugh. Yeah. I, let me put every horse out there versus me. And mm-hmm. it was this shift of yes, I'm selling a service, but I'm ultimately selling me. And me can just be the imperfect person I am because what's in my heart is pure. Like what I'm mm-hmm. selling them, I truly believe in and I love and I'm passionate about, but they need to know that I'm coming to massage their
0: work. Exactly. Me.
1: Finally, sorry, you froze. Um. Finally doing steps like getting the photographer and taking photos or face. Like I went on Instagram live a lot and I was like, just, do it. Just do it. Get over yourself. Yes. Like you're a little sweaty and a little, you got a little horse snot on you, but like that's real. And so I just did it and started going live and, um, collaborating with other, um, equestrian, um, you know, people in the industry that are even doing different facets of it than I am, but seeing how we have this common ground. Yeah. Um, and I think that was also a big push from you was that community over competition. Yeah was something I always believed in because my, my thought was there are more horses in this country than I could ever massage myself. Right. How do I ease into that comfort of you're not losing business by promoting others? Um, and working together, we actually can accomplish more. Um, and so really, I feel like those three things, like, Trusting myself as an expert, Mm -hmm. putting that knowledge out there uh, to my clients and to people that maybe can't afford my services. Right. I want them to still have their horse benefit in some way. Um, Getting my face out there, which Mm -hmm. is still a struggle for me, um, especially in a world that we live in where everything is airbrushed and photoshopped and beautiful, and just being your authentic self and knowing that that's enough. And people resonating with that, because I think then people also get to know you, which right. endears them to you. Like yes. they, they feel like they know you on a personal level. Um, and then, right, right. And then the other one was, yeah, like really understanding that collaborating and working with other people to push my brand was not going to take business away from me.
0: That was, I mean, and that's still something we work on, I think sometimes too, over deliver that value and understand that it will come back. Like there will be a return on that. And then the other thing I wanted to touch on, like, so when it comes to putting your face in front of the camera and showing your face, this has been a a big topic lately. I had another meeting this week and she said, she said the same thing. She's just not comfortable in front of the camera. And so what do you think, is it like a lack of confidence? Is it, we have this like a standard of beauty in our eyes, especially on Instagram of like what we should look like on there. What do you think was at the root of holding you back from putting your face on, on Instagram? It was
1: totally a lack of confidence. Um, and it was comparing myself to, you know, if somebody is an influencer or, um, selling clothing, the, you know, look, of it is really important because that's what they're selling. Right. And for me, it was a little bit of just telling myself, like, get over yourself.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) Just do it. Like get over yourself. You wanna, you want this business to bloom. And so part of that is leaning into uncomfortable situations. And so anytime I feel myself like bristle to something, it's an indicator to me of like, oh, I need to look into this a bit more. And Getting behind the camera was like not just a bristle; it was like Ugh. <laughs> a whole body, like oh gosh, yeah. okay. But I also knew that you were giving me this—you were giving me this direction because you knew it was a step I needed to take. Right. And so I just started it slowly and tried things out. And some of them, like I thought, I wanted to maybe do interviews. Um, mm-hmm. I did that for a series. And it went really well, but I realized like, "Eh, that's not really my thing. And um, then it was, you know, doing um, tours of barns that I'm in and going live with that. And that felt a little bit better and more authentic to me. And then as far as pictures go for social media, um, I just realized like, you know what? I want someone to take the pictures. Like that was something I farmed out. Like putting my iPhone on a tripod as I'm trying to massage a horse and mm. get a good shot is never going to look good. Like right. I need help. And, um, I will not make my husband be my photographer. because <laughs> so many People use their significant others. And I was like, you know what? He's already a trooper. So I won't make right. him be my photographer as well. Um, so that was something that I found an equestrian photographer. And now she and I work seamlessly together because every time I need some, some shots, like I know I can call her up. She knows the kind of look I want Mm -hmm. for my website and, um, how I want it to be a little bit more artsy. And I feel like I also grew my face behind, you know, social media and marketing in having someone that understands photography. Like, I don't know, photography, right. Good angles. I don't, you know, I'm getting like the double chin and (laughs) I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And so getting the help I needed because it was an area I was uncomfortable with. Um, and then also, this was kind of cool. So in doing a lot of the lives and doing videos, um, I had done instructional videos right at the beginning when I started my company. And then I just recently did videos again. And to hear from the production you know, director, like, you have come leaps and bounds as far <laughs> as being the camera. And he was like, like I'm telling you, like, it is so much better. And I was like, wow, okay. So the it's practice amazing. is helping. Did mm. I still sweat and feel nervous and stumble up and do? Yeah. I mean, yes, of course. But that I just am kind of accepting is like, that's just me. Um, I get a little nervous behind the camera and that's, that's
0: okay. natural. Yeah. yeah.
1: And lean in. Like, mm. I'm not, this isn't my profession. I don't, I'm not a movie star, you know? Right. So like, I don't have this skill set innately, Um, but lean in because what I see is that what I get out of it is exponentially more than the uncomfortableness that I have going
0: in. And so I'm going to ask you a question that I know has been asked to you before. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know the answer, but how do you get your confidence? Like this is something that has been asked to me too. And I think that you and I share similar traits of our personality where we are a little more bold, we're a little more blunt, like, so we come off very confident, but I know we still have our own insecurities and we still lack confidence in areas so how did you overcome that lack of confidence in the beginning to now where you're comfortable getting in front of the camera regularly
1: i think at the beginning it was not going back and watching it
0: <laughs>
1: yes not going back and looking to see how many like how many likes did i get like just putting it out there and walking away like okay, it's out there. I'm not going to go worry about it. I'm just going to let it go. And I always, a lot of times when I think about my insecurities, um, I think we're all so egocentric. And so we think so much about what's wrong with us or what we're insecure about. And then nobody else is looking at that because I don't look at other people and think that at all. And so I'm kind of my harshest critic. And so at times it was just like quieting down that critic voice because it took up too much space and dialing up the voice that is like, you know, this information, like share Mm -hmm. this information. It's interesting to your audience. And for me, when I get out of my head of like, do I have the right makeup on? Is this the right shirt for that? When I just stop worrying about that, even today, it was like, I got to go about my day. And oftentimes my job is dirty. Like my horse hair on me, they slobber on me. Like it's not a clean, you know, a clean. Yeah. And so for me, once I get out of my head of what, what the aesthetics are mm-hmm. and get into what the information is, I can take a breath and kind of sink into the same mindset I get into when I'm going to go massage, which is kind of dropping my baggage and getting present. Yeah. And that has helped me immensely.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Just being present. And I think letting go. For me, it was similar, like not going back and watching the videos. Mm-hmm. And then I would, if I was really feeling insecure, I would have, reach out to a friend, like a trusted friend and be like, hey, could you watch this? Here's where I feel like yeah, I'm insecure. I stumbled here, my hair, whatever. And then she would be, watch it and be like, you're crazy. Like, that was great. That was, you know, and so it was just that little boost of confidence that was like, okay, it wasn't a, you know, shitstorm on video. So we're fine. When we, I
1: keep reminding myself, when I put that stuff out there, if somebody judges it, they're not my people. Right. If they're, if they don't like it, then like, they're not my people. So it's, that's fine.
0: People want to see people, you know, perfectionism is not real life that's just not how it happens. You're a working mom, you have a dirty job, you know, like we're constantly going from one thing to the next. So I think allowing yourself to get on camera and then to experiment with that too. Like I've gone on camera in workout clothes, post-workout, pre-workout like that. And that was more for me than for anyone else. So that I could say that, like, I'm comfortable regardless. I know my marketing stuff, whether I'm in workout clothes or like today I showered and put on a dress and lipstick, you know, like doesn't matter what you or I are wearing. We're still professionals in our industry that are able to educate our audience. And that's what matters.
1: Exactly. And for me, like no one would believe me if I was in like a power suit. Right. (laughs) Yes. It's not me. And so that's where it's like, even if I'm in a pair of breeches and boots and you know, I have horse slab around my shirt. Like, it's because I'm actually in the field. I'm actually doing it. Right. And I want people to know that I'm a horsewoman. Like, I'm a horsewoman just like you. I ride, I care for them, I do all of this. I'm just like you. And so I always look to, like, it gives me a little bit of street cred. Yeah. You know, in oh, that way.
0: It builds trust, it brings them into your life a little bit. Cause you could just as easily, like, leave that at the barn and then switch gears and look different on camera. And I think that's where that's not consistent with your brand. And so people really understanding what consistency means from the way you're showing up on camera to your website, to what you're saying to people, to the way you show up at the barn. Like you are wanting people to hire you to come to their barn. And so they want to know like what Katie they're going to get. It'd be weird if they hired this woman off a video and then she showed up entirely different.
1: Totally. Yes. It would not, it would not correlate.
0: No, not at all. That's a good point. So that I think you've done a great job. And I think that's what we worked on a lot in the beginning was just like streamlining a lot of your stuff and then getting it online, like getting it consistent so that it felt good to you and comfortable to you. And then also this is authentic because this is you. There's nothing that changes about it at any level. And like you just re you, well, you rebranded, but you relaunched your website, um, and made that more in line with your messaging and your branding and just like your overall business vibe. And I think that's been a whole year's worth of work for you to get to that point.
1: Oh, for sure. And I had so many ideas and mm-hmm. dreams and thoughts, and I could oftentimes get lost in that would feel too overwhelming. Right. I've got life and kids and a husband and, and thing, other things to do than just because you're, I think when you own your own business, you're always thinking about it because it's yeah. kind of your baby and it's hard to turn off. But at the same time, I was not, I was not able to put those into bite sized chunks so that I could then have incrementally, incrementally grow. Right. So I needed somebody that was going to be like, Hey, this is what we're going to focus on this month. And this is going to lead us into this next thing Um, because I just kept going to like step five and then just getting completely overwhelmed because you can't go right to step five. You got to start at one. And that was what I really needed was somebody to kind of direct me through that as well. And then um, that also would push me into those like uncomfortable zones too.
0: Yes. Because we all want to get to the point where we're comfortable on camera but we don't want to do the work in between. I was just talking to a friend about this yesterday, and she was comparing it to like Cinderella. So she had a great night at the ball, you know. But then as soon as midnight came, she had to go home, and she had to do her chores, and she continued doing her chores for her stepmom until Prince Charming came. And we don't really know how long that was. Like maybe it was a whole year before her life changed. Had
1: to try that shoe on everybody. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right everyone in the whole town. All so, the burgers, I know. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time. It's not like it was the next day he was at her house and she was swept out of this life of chores. So that's what this woman, my friend was saying, you know, it's just about doing like continuing to mop the floor until you get to the moment where your life has changed. Or like, I call it doing push-ups, like doing your marketing push-ups consistently so that you can get to that point where you see yourself in the future, like that vision you have. You there's work in between saying I have this vision for myself and for my business and these goals and then actually like checking them off the list and actualizing that. There's a
1: lot. And there's you know, if you're on your own doing this or with a small group of people, there's nobody checking up on you. Right. And so for me, like I'm naturally very motivated to get this stuff done. But I do need some direction at times of what's the best use of my limited amount of hours right now
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: with a bigger goal in mind. And so that was the other piece is it's a whole heck of a lot of work, right? Like if you're doing it oftentimes by yourself and it is, it just takes a lot of effort on your part to make sure you're using your time wisely.
0: Yes. Yes. And that's where the accountability comes in. And then having a set plan month to month, all of those things play into that. So looking back on, well, the past year, but then really the past four years that you've been in business, like what are some of the things that you're most proud of?
1: Um, I'm proud of the level of certification that I've gotten to. Yeah. Um, in that I really strive that I stay within what I call my scope of practice, which my specialty is soft tissue, and I'm not going to do what a vet does, and I'm not going to do what a trainer does. I'm going to really stick to my lane and yep. be really freaking good at it. Yeah. <laughs> and that gave me the ability then to, to streamline and stay within my lines and then do it to the highest level possible. So what that means for me is getting um, FEI certified, which mm-hmm. is the international level of horse showing And um, it was me actually getting certified and and going through the rigorous task of getting certified with somebody from another country um, because it's not even based within the United States. Um, And then the other things that have really been cool for me is um, the amount of collaboration of working with people um, either on podcasts or um, through articles and journals and really taking – what I find to be so important, which is working with horses through massage and letting a broader audience see it and my experience and my perspective being respected. Um, And that's been just amazing to do. And then the third piece is like getting really creative on how to grow my company and actually growing it into having a whole separate entity that's going to be starting up next year. Um, versus just growing the massage piece. And so now I kind of look at it as my company is unbridled equine, but I'm going to have all these different divisions to it. And I think that'll also give me longevity as well. So in some ways, massage is the like you know, starting off point to so mm-hmm. many other pieces.
0: and in a lot of ways, I don't think you could have created a plan to get to this new venture that's happening. like that wasn't something we had talked about in specifics. We just knew you wanted to grow your business. And so you just kind of have to go through the motions again to get to that point. And I will say, as far as your FEI certification, this was, so Katie and I met, we, I think we did the workshop in September. We got, we had our one-on-one meeting, first one in September and you were, had filed your certification right by the end of the year. Or you were certified by the end of the
1: year. Yes, I was certified by the end of the year because then I was going to go uh, to the winter in Florida to work there.
0: So that's how I knew because Katie sat down and she told me she was considering this certification. And then like the next month we met, you were (laughs) like, oh, I've applied. Like I'm going through it. And I was like, okay, yes, Like these clients do exist. And she's doing And um, at the meetings, when we used to meet in person, you'd have your marketing action plan, like printed out, checked off, notes written. I mean, there's a lot that, so marketing coaching can only take you so far. And then as a recipient of that coaching, you have to be willing to one, like adapt and change and do things that make you uncomfortable. And then two, like actually execute the plan, which is where a lot of us kind of, Fall off. We don't stick to our plan because we get distracted. There are so many other things and directions and opinions and lots of distractions in business. So this allows you to focus on something, but it only works if you actually focus on it. Otherwise,
1: me like having that listed out because we talked through it and we decided what was a priority in this next month. Then give me the list and I'll knock it out. Like, right. I, I like that. Like you want me to read this book? Done. You want me to research this? Got it. You know, I got to take care of this, this and the other. Yes. And so almost like my task oriented part of me really thrives in an environment like this because it makes a lot of sense to me, but mm-hmm. I need someone that holds me accountable. Cause yeah. then I'm like, oh, well, I got to do this. Cause I'm going to meet with Miranda again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that accountability piece is big because if it was just you, chances are you would not hold that meeting to the same standards as you hold our meetings, for so many reasons, right? Like, and that's where like paying someone is helpful too. Did we freeze for a second, or we caught up? Okay, I think we're caught up.
1: Yeah, Um, you're back.
0: Okay, that's okay. It'll be the audio will be fine. Um, So then the last thing I wanted to say. Or did you have something to say there?
1: No. And I actually was going to say, I think the point that when you pay someone to help you is um, you hold more importance to it. So if I had a friend doing this with me Mm -hmm. that was holding me accountable, I could probably be like, oh, I'll get to that next month. But no, like I'm I'm paying you for your expertise and your time. And so I want to best use that. And so that was also a motivator for me as well.
0: Exactly because it's not up to me it doesn't matter to me if you're paying me for these meetings regardless like what you're getting out of them obviously i want you to succeed and that's the point of the coaching but it's your choice how you come to the meeting and then how you engage throughout the meeting and then how you execute for because our meetings are an hour long once a month like you have an entire month in between to do the work and i'll know whether or not you're showing up and if this relationship is beneficial or it's just wasting both of our time and your money, you know? Right.
1: When I often like, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're a marketing coach, but I'm like, you're kind of a business therapist. <laughs> <Right? Yeah. laughs> so you like, okay, here's what happened. Okay. Let's take COVID. Like, yes. okay. We, I come home from Florida after being there for 10 weeks working to this abrupt halt in life. And all of a sudden I had this beacon, which was you to be like, What do I do now? Yeah, (laughs) and you know, so it was a little bit of like it was a little bit of like a business therapy session, Mm -hmm. and having someone, but like I had someone I knew I could go to, which was you, and so that was so important to me because it didn't make me lose sight of our bigger goals. And 2020 isn't over, and I'm still going to achieve those goals. And so it just took having that consistency. And even though a total wrench got thrown into everyone's life, like that's okay. Pivot and keep going. Pivot and keep yes.
0: going. And you guys, all of the clients I worked with, you guys all pivoted and adapted and in such a way that I I was inspired. I'm like, okay, well, you know, forget this pandemic. Like we're just going to keep it moving and not forget it. Like it's not happening and be naive about the situation, but that that was just what was happening. It still is happening. So we just have to figure out how to deal with it and keep it moving in the business. And, you know, like you have kids, I have a stepdaughter. I mean, there were a lot of changes like everyone else that we were adjusting to working from home with kids in the house and figuring out childcare and how do we, you know, both of our significant others in and out of the house, are they working from home? So, I mean, we went through a lot of the same Changes that the rest of the world experienced, too. And it's just a matter of everyone that I worked with being willing to open their mind up to the possibility of like finding a new solution. Like, yeah, that plan we had in January, it's gone. It's out the window. That was cute. Yeah, Yeah, that was cute. That was cute. But that doesn't mean that your goals have to be gone or that you have to stop the forward momentum that we had been generating for so long. And that's what really impressed me about you. I mean, because you, you adapted with your virtual massages. I mean, you very quickly were like, okay, we're just going to do this, this and this. And I think a lot of that, is the practice you'd had, you've been building yourself up in front of the camera, getting comfortable and thinking about other offerings for your clients. And that's where, like, once you get that ball rolling creatively and you give your space time to think, then you can adjust quicker, I think.
1: And you pushed me, too, in this piece of, like, take the rest. Yes. Rested. In you know three and a half years now, because right. starting this company up, like take a breath, yeah, forever, and it almost like gave me the the ability to accept that mm-hmm. and accept what what is what is, and then by doing that, I actually got to some action items that I kept tabling because I didn't have time, right? And all of a sudden, I had more time than I knew what to do with, which was scary at first, but then. <laughs> was really a blessing because I got into a lot of pieces that I had been putting off. And so, but I I couldn't be moving forward now if I hadn't done those pieces then.
0: Exactly. It all builds on top of each other. Yes. Um so just to wrap it up here today, what is one piece of advice that you would give to a new entrepreneur, someone just starting out in their business right now? Great question.
1: Well, and it's funny because as I'm starting this new division of my company, yeah. I'm in a brand new entrepreneur who is like, I am not an entrepreneur.
0: <laughs> Back at square one.
1: <laughs> you are. You are though. Um, I would say my biggest piece of advice, I, I really think it's two things I touched on during this leaning into the uncomfortableness mm-hmm. um, and reminding yourself that uncomfortableness doesn't mean bad. Right. So even though something feels maybe out of, you know, where you, what you think you can do or just a lack of the confidence, like leaning into that. And I keep looking at building my company as it it being just in line with building myself. Like so much of my heart is in this company. And so when I try something new or I put myself out there, I'm growing myself too. Um, And so even though it feels really vulnerable at times to do that, every time I lean in, there's a growth there in some way. Um, And the other piece that I think is really important is the community over uh, competition. Mm -hmm. Like really being a cheerleader for other people, if they're in the same industry or they're just a fellow entrepreneur, or for me, another woman Mm -hmm. that's running their own business, like get hold them up. Like, you know what I mean? There is enough business and enough money to go around. And the moment you come from a scarcity mindset, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what's going on. You, you you're coming from that mindset. And so remembering that there is enough, there's abundance, there's enough to go around. Um, and having, having that belief, Um, and then supporting others, I think is only going to make your company A, you're gonna enjoy it more and B, you're going to be more successful. So those would probably be my two pieces to somebody that's new.
0: Those are good. And hire a marketing coach. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) I mean, I really wouldn't be where I was if I didn't have that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. It's so it's such a pleasure to work with you because Mm -hmm. you do, you really do show up fully and you're like fully present. Even when we've got kids and dogs and things like everything moving around us, I I know that when we show up for meetings, we're gonna be present, we're gonna get our work done, and then when we leave that you're continuing to work. And what's cool is I can watch that journey with the rest of your audience on social media and like following along with the the partnerships you have and the interviews you're getting. I mean, because with people, what we didn't really touch on today is that there are tangible results that are coming out of this work you're doing, like being asked to give presentations, being asked to speak at networking events and other industry events. And I don't know what you'd call them, but yeah.
1: Yeah, at expos. And then also just, um, you know, in the way of being, aligning myself as an expert and then that opening the doors to people that have large followings that Mm -hmm. want to bring this up. And, um, the first person they think of is me. Yeah. And so that's when great. you can be that first person they Oh, we want to talk about massage. Oh, we need Katie Hawkins. I mean, yes. that's, that's it right there.
0: Exactly. Like, that's, <laughs> that's the epitome of brand awareness. You're top of yeah. mind when they think of equine massage, like that's it. That's what the whole goal has been. And you've done a great job. It's been a pleasure working with you. And thank you so much for being here today. I think you gave some really great, valuable pieces of advice. And I learned some things too about your zoo keeping days. And (laughs) I had no idea. I have
1: something up my sleeve. I got to keep that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Always. So this has been great. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you. Take care.
0: You too.